friends, have you ever noticed that sometimes the sorrow in life give meaning to the joy in life? That's what this conversation is about. Our guest is a great storyteller. You're going to want to check out her podcast as well. And I know it's going to help you see the meaning. So friends, let's get started. You're listening to Halfway There, episode number 304, Jill Bond and the Adventure of Joy. Conversations with ordinary Christians about today's Christian experience. I'm excited that you're here. I know, I know, I say that I'm excited that you're here every week, but you know what? It's actually true. I love that you have downloaded this episode, you're listening, and we strive to find out what is it like to walk with God in the 21st century. That's what we're going to do today. Hey, if you enjoy this episode, I think you will. Uh, do me a favor, uh, take this, just go in your podcast app. There's usually that little share button, share it either out to social, give me a tag or tag halfway there podcast. I'll see that. Uh, or you can just shoot a text to your friend or your spouse or your grandma. I don't care. Just somebody who, who actually is interested, uh, who might be interested in listening to this uh, episode. I'd love that. It means a lot to me when you do, that's the highest compliment you can give. So please do that. Those of you that want to uh, and that are able, if you want to go to halfwaytherepodcast.com, hit that Patreon button that allows you to support the show. And there's uh, there's a there's a few of you who are doing that, and that really helps keep the show running. So I appreciate that. Okay, today we have a great guest. I'm excited to talk uh, with her because I think I think based on just our conversations here as we were getting going. Uh, there's going to be some interesting stories, I'm guessing. So our guest is is uh, an author, a speaker, a podcaster, and I think maybe this is most important, a joy seeker. Uh, our guest is Jill Bond. Jill, welcome to Halfway There. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. I'm glad <laughs> to have you. Um, definitely. So that's I give kind of this just really short introduction, but there's a lot more to you uh, than that. So tell us, give us a little more about who you are and where God has you right now. Uh, well, as you said, I do have a podcast. I taught English at Virginia Commonwealth University for a long, long time. And uh, about 10 years ago, I decided that it was time to start doing it instead of just teaching it. So uh, I, I had an experience that taught me something. If I could tell you about it, it was, it was, catalytic. I, I think um, I was at a basketball banquet at my church and the Chick-fil-A cow was the the sponsor of it, the the mascot. I don't, do you have Chick-fil-A oh, where yeah. you are? Oh yeah. It's, yeah. it's okay. you know, much beloved except for on Sunday It's holy afternoon. ground. Yeah. When, yes. when you're like, I could really go for a chicken sandwich. Oh shoot. Not happening. Well, that cow came in and was high-fiving all the kids, and I just was loving it. I looked at my husband, and I said, that looks like fun. I could do that. And he said, yeah, why don't you do that? And so I said, yeah, maybe I will someday. So it was probably six months later, and we found ourselves inside a Chick-fil-A. And he said, why don't you go up there and see what it takes to put that suit on and do a few gigs? So I was busted. So I, what could I do but go up to the counter? I asked for the manager and said, 
what does it take to put on that suit and do a few gigs as the cow? And he looked at me and he said, what does it take? A pulse. It takes a pulse. That's it. So I said, okay, I would like to, you know, apply for that because I got a pulse. So he gave me an application that was clearly intended for an adolescent looking for a part-time job. And I thought, I'm going to have some fun with this. So I took the application, made an appointment with the HR lady at the mall. But before I went to the appointment, I put together a portfolio to die for. I got my college transcripts. I got my resume all set. I got all dressed up. I went to the mall. I met this young lady who was, she was taking this thing way, way too seriously. But I I played along and uh, I wish I could remember what she asked me. But anyway, at the end of the interview, she stood up and stuck out her hand and shook mine and said, I am pleased to offer you the position of area market cow for Chick-fil-A. So it was the best job news I have ever had. So I did a few, a few gigs, maybe five, but the next year I was the cow at that basketball banquet and it was at a a much bigger arena. So anyway, I was waiting for my turn to go on. And, um, all of a sudden, I know you're a guy, but women will understand this ladies of a certain age, um, have these power surges, you know, that periodically, and when you are in a suit, I don't know if you've ever been in a cow suit before and in any kind of suit like that, no. it, it is awful. It is so, so, so hot I can imagine. in there. And here comes the power surge and it comes from the inside out. Well, that was a reminder to me of some sorrow in my life. And that was this, my husband and I had been struggling with infertility for years and years. And um, God gave us one child and we thought, well, if it happened once, surely it will happen again. And uh, it wasn't happening, wasn't happening. And for about two years before this Chick-fil-A cow gig, uh, I, I had always been a really joyful, joyful person. And I, I couldn't understand what was happening to me. I didn't know if I was going through a sad season or if I was becoming a sad person Hmm. because of this, because every time my body heated up like that, it was a reminder that God was saying, you know, your reproductive years are coming to a close. And the answer is no. And everybody knows what it's like when God says no, and it doesn't seem fair and it doesn't make sense. Uh, And so I just couldn't understand what was going on. So here comes this thing and this awful memory and this sadness when all of a sudden though, as I'm looking out, waiting for my turn to go on God, and I am convinced that he put this thought in my head and it changed Mm. the way I looked at, uh, bad things that happen. And that was this, I thought, isn't this a perfect picture of joy and sorrow in the same place? Me having a hot flash in a cow suit. (laughs) I love, I love an object lesson, but I thought right in the same place, same coin, different sides. And I thought that's the way it is in all of life. Yeah. 
that that the joy is there. We just have to make a, an effort to pull from it while we're going through the hard things. I, I just used to think that you were either happy or you weren't, you know, you were the joyful or you weren't, but, but you can be both at the same time. Wow. Isn't that right? That's such a great lesson. So often you're right. It just, joy and sorrow kind of coexist, right? They're sort of two sides of the same right. coin sometimes. And as part of the cost. It's of, everybody's life. Yeah. Yeah. It's the cost of doing life, right? It's the cost of living is, right. is experiencing both. Interesting. I don't think Jesus was, exempt from that either. We see that over and over again. Mm-mm. He he also experienced the same. So yeah, that's part of what it means to be human. Very interesting. I love that. That's a good start. <laughs> I like it a lot. So that that uh I think we're gonna we're gonna have a great conversation. So um I wanna get kind of go back in your story though and and kind of figure mm-hmm. out how you got you got up there. You said you're a joyful person, uh, you felt like and you had also wrestled with some things. So but let's go back. Where'd you grow up? Where where are you from? I am from uh, a small city in Indiana called Bluffton, ah. Bluffton, Indiana. All right. I grew up in at, in the first Baptist church of Bluffton, Indiana. There you go. So we were the Cleavers, <laughs> no doubt about okay. it, for a while. Oh, okay. Well, tell, uh, so was it a Christian family or what was that? What was it like? Yes. Um, very, very happy. In fact, um, I have said to my brother before, I said, and of course, time sort of alters your memory and you tend to remember only the good things sometimes. But I said, for a while, life for us was as good as it gets on this earth. It was, Mm. um, you know, mom, dad, one, uh, one boy, one girl, we even really had a white picket fence. Um, my mom was a teacher. My dad was an accountant. Um, we really were the cleavers. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then um, we took a vacation when I was 10 years old. My brother was 16. And on that vacation, my dad got sick. And so my brother had to drive. He was a, a neophyte when it came. He had just gotten his license. I used to lie down in the back seat of the car so I wouldn't have to see what was coming at us when he was driving. But he drove home from New England to Indiana, um, the doctor came to our house, which tells you how long ago that was yeah. and how small the town was. Doctor came to our house and said, uh, he's got food poisoning and, um, you know, treated him and said, should be okay. And so, and this is the first prayer I remember praying ever in my life. I lay in bed that night and said, God, please you know, um, help my daddy to be better and make him well. And it was the most childlike faith ever. I remember I rolled over, I went to sleep and I knew that it would happen the next day. He was better. Mm. And the next night I said, thank you, God, please keep working on him till he gets well. And the next day he died. Oh, wow. Very, very suddenly, um, he the doctor had misdiagnosed him. He had had uh, a perforated ulcer that, that burst, and so he died of peritonitis. Um, so that, of course, threw our family into a tailspin. Um, and I remember 
one lady at our church telling me when I said, I prayed and I had faith. I'm 10 years old. I prayed, I had faith and he died. I, I wasn't finished with him yet. What happened? I prayed for him to get well. And she told me this, she said, well, God did make him well. He's just well in heaven now. Oh no. And I thought, what, what, what kind of God, what in the world? So I started to see him at that tender age as the God of trick answers. You know, I prayed for one thing and you, you pulled a, a switcheroo on me there and answered it another way. I didn't ask for that, but I do remember and I think this is understandable, you know, of course, being afraid that something would happen to my mom, my brother, and I would pray when one of them was gone and, and um, before they got home, I would pray, please bring them home safely. And then I'd PS it with, you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> I was a kid. I wanted to make sure that he understood because I didn't want another trick answer. So I was tough. Oh, yeah. I can imagine how such an experience would really shape your view of God. And you described that really well of being like, hey, what's that's not right. That's not what I asked for. What's going on? And that's hard enough to take as a as a young as any person's age. Right. But as a young person and then getting a bad response from somebody who, you know, is trying to do the best, probably uh, it's so hard. Like, that's just really, really a tough uh, you know, thing to to go through. I'm trying to. I'm thinking of it as like a, you know, like when you shape a rock or something, like you're like a diamond. You like it's a, it's a a tough chip. You know what I mean? Like that's right, right. It was another another lady. Um, oh, and I still have this card that she wrote to me. It was it was precious, but I read it again. I mean, this was over 50 years ago. Um, I read it again not too long ago and saw that she had written that, you know, she said, I was uh, much older than you when God decided that he needed my daddy. Mm. <laughs> also, uh, I thought he needed what? So, yeah, right. a lot of what, what, what around yeah. that event. Well, yeah. And then yeah. was your response like, well, what about me? Because I kind of needed him too, right? Exactly. So <laughs> what did that do? And how, where did you go from there as you were kind of walking with the Lord? So you obviously had some sort of relationship with him, but then what What happened? Right. Um, I will say that the church where I was, and it was it was small, probably 150 people smallish. Um, but again, small town, small church, um, they surrounded my family in a way that showed me how much God must love me. They, they came around us. Like I've described it before. It was like a hundred EMTs rushing in to tie in tourniquets, you know, to try to stop the bleeding, which they couldn't, Yeah, but they brought uh, food. They surrounded us with prayers. And um, I, I loved my church. I loved going to church when I was a child. And I remember asking my mom, my dad's funeral was on a Saturday. And I remember saying to her, I want to go to church tomorrow. 
And of course she was really in no shape to navigate all that. But my brother said, I'll, I'll take you. And I remember one person in particular when, when we showed up and she said, I can't believe it. I didn't expect to see you here today. Hmm. And I thought, why not? Because I feel safe here. I feel like everybody understands. I do not. They knew my dad. I did not have to explain anything to them like I would have, you know, from, from then on um, to other kids and all. So um, the people in our church were what the church is really mm. supposed to be. And, and I've often said, as I've, you know, time has passed, I still love the church, capital C. I haven't always liked the church, little C. <laughs> right. right. If you know what I mean. I do. Uh, I do. <laughs> I think sometimes people are well-meaning and sometimes it doesn't always land the way that they, they want. Right. I totally understand that. Okay. So you went to church and you, you were growing. Like, did you, did, can you look back and look at say the next five or 10 years after your father died and see the ripple effects uh, spiritually of that for you? Oh, uh, absolutely. I was, I think I was more, quote spiritual we may have to define that i don't know sure. but then most kids my age because mm -hmm. of what i'd been through and the things that you the questions you have to ask um back then there were 60 some kids in my whole grade divided into two classes and i remember all the way through the rest of the way through grade school i was the only one in a single parent family oh, sounds wow. like we grew up in a you know, yeah, very protected. But um, so I was constantly having to explain that, but very, very uh, always searching, 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 um, asking God questions. The good thing is nobody told me not to be angry about what had happened. Hmm. Nobody ever told me that. Um, as I was thinking about this, I hadn't thought about that for a long time, but oh, I remember. Um, you know, I kept a diary and I remember one day just going into my room and throwing myself on my bed, just screaming, you know, um, as a child, yeah. nobody, my mom didn't tell me, oh, don't do that. Um, so that, that was good. So the people who surrounded me, uh, helped me so much. And then even as a teenager, I don't know, always searching, hmm. searching. What, is, what does that mean? What were you searching for? how to have a close relationship with this God that I felt like uh, I intellectually, I knew he loved me and I wanted mm -hmm. to love him back. There were things I didn't understand. Um, Jesus dying on a cross. I didn't understand that. Um, I, I believed it. I believed a lot of things in my head, but my heart just um, questioned so much. How does what? Yeah. This doesn't make sense. I don't get it. I went to church camp. I was a serial church camp goer, as you can imagine, you know, <laughs> um, it was yeah. very emotional. I would get real emotional when it came to God, but always questioning. Always. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Okay. So 
How did you resolve that? <laughs> I still question uh, a, a lot of things, you know, yeah. my, my, it's just yeah. that I know now that that is perfectly fine. Uh, for a while, mm. I didn't think it was perfectly fine. There was a camp I went to, I won't name the name of the organization, but uh, it was to train teenagers to go and set up outdoor Bible clubs when they went back to their hometowns. And so uh, one night I, I would see them and uh, we would go out and witness to people and kids, other kids would come back jumping, jumping and, and yelling, oh, 10 kids got saved today. And they were so excited. And for some reason, I didn't, I understand now, but for some reason back then, I just thought, really? Oh, so quick. So very, very quick encounters. Not that it couldn't happen. I believed that it could. But something just wasn't exactly sitting right. I had questions. So in my cabin that night, I started to talk about the questions that I had. And uh, the next day, I was called into the director's office. Uh oh And they said, the director and his wife said, we have reason to doubt your salvation. Um, somebody ratted on me in my cabin, in yeah, other words. Right? And I said, no, no, no. I believe that Jesus, you know, died for me. And, and I reassured them that I said, I just have questions. I have questions about the symbolism of it all. And, and the language that we use about um, Jesus washing our sins away because... I had been with uh, a mentor, not of my choosing, but, you know, someone they gave, like an instructor to us, and they would take us out in groups. Uh, this happened the next day. She took us out in, in a group, and we uh, were to approach people and ask them if we could tell them a story. Kids. So uh, I was terrified. It just, yeah, it wouldn't, I was not feeling it, but anyway, I did it anyway. And she's, you know, the, the lady said, okay, I want you to um, see that little boy over there. I want you to ask his mom if you can tell him a story. So I went up to his mom and <laughs> said, excuse me, can I tell your little boy a story? <laughs> she said, about what? And I said, Jesus. <laughs> and she said, no. And I thought, whew, you know, that was what a relief, but um, we weren't having much success, you know, with opportunities. So our leader said, let me show you how it's done. She cornered a little boy on a bicycle and we had little wordless books that were just colors in them. And, and she said, uh, I want to tell you a story. Can I tell you a story? And he put his head down and shook it just like this. She badgered him until he let her. Yeah. And she said, you know, went through the colors and um, explained the gold. Wouldn't you like to walk where there's streets of gold? Every answer was no, <laughs> but she badgered him until he finally shook his head. Yes. You know, but you can't. The next page was black because of sin. Um, do you sin? No. She said, do you have any brothers or sisters? Yeah. Do you ever fight with them? Yes. Okay. You've sinned. So, so you qualify. <laughs> uh, I went on, you know, um, 
And then there was a red page, but Jesus, you know, Jesus blood washed your sins away. Would you like to accept Jesus now? No, (laughs) he shook his head, but she badgered him until he said yes. And the next night, silly me in my bunk again with my, my cabin mates, I said, this just seems like not right to me. What, what is going on here? Do you know the next day they called my name with a loudspeaker into the office again? I trotted. They said, you know, we're, we're just not sure where you were at. Um, we might have to let you go if this happens again. I went out into the woods and just boohooed thinking I am going to hell. That is apparently. So um, I went home and told my mom the whole thing. And she said, no, 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 no. She was very reassuring. She said, don't worry about that. Please don't worry about that. So, um, you know, experiences like that make you afraid to ask questions. And so I didn't really feel free to ask questions for a very long time after that. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. Um, One of the things that I love about scripture, if we read for it, and that's a very key caveat, is that God actually loves those questions. You know, like Mm. you, you can... I, there's so many examples. I go to Habakkuk all the time because Habakkuk gets labeled as a complainer, but he's actually just questioning God like, hey, I don't like, I know you don't like injustice and I don't like injustice. What's going on here? Uh, and they go back and forth. Abraham goes back and forth with God, right? There's mm-hmm. Moses does at times. Like there's all these, all these people that tell us that God actually, even, even I think some of Jesus' interactions with people, right? I think sometimes we can read the story of the woman on the well, for instance, as as Jesus having a bit of an agenda, but I think actually he was just engaging her and he was kind of excited that she actually was willing to ask the questions back and have that conversation. Anyway, all that to say, I think that God loves that. And so for somebody to, to kind of clamp down on that for you, right, is mm-hmm. really, you know, can be kind of detrimental. And so it sounds like you didn't, uh, weren't able to ask those questions for a long time. And so did that, did you feel like that stunted your growth in Christ as you, as you were going or what, what do you think the effect of that was? Um, a, a little bit. Um, it just made me ask more questions, mm-hmm. which is not a bad thing. You are <laughs> At an least to myself. <laughs> aren't you? I really am. I am. Um, I remember as an adult, my goodness, this must have been maybe 15, 20 years ago, our um, church went through an evangelism um, program that had a very specific formula for leading someone to Jesus. And the first thing that we had to do was your before and after. And I know you've heard this before, um, because I've, I've read your words on it yeah. and heard your words on it. Um, but I was one of those people who just kept raising my hand saying, I don't have an, a before and after. Yep. And um, some wonderful person from the back of the room passed me a note and said, don't let him get you down. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, I think you might have called them turkeys 
but um but but i said i said to to these people who insisted on a before and after when it's like saying to some people when did you start loving your mother mm-hmm. go and that's what it was like for me i i don't know a moment yeah i made a decision to be baptized but it wasn't because it was an all of a sudden revelation so yeah i love anyway. that i think that is so powerful that's one of the things i i do talk about on here sometimes is that the uh you know the spiritual journey looks different for a mm-hmm. lot of us and some of us don't know i grew up in the church like you did you know there there's moments that i can point to but i was always in christ right he he did the work and uh it was just my realization of what that meant for me uh grew at various points other people, you know, we've had those stories here. I was pointed John Schlitt, who is one of my favorite rock stars. But uh, he, yeah, uh, <laughs> do, do you know who he is? Uh, Petra, do you uh-huh. know Petra back in the day? Oh, oh, yeah. He was the lead oh, singer for Petra back in the day, in, in like the eighties. Yeah, oh, I loved, loved one of my eighties, fa- nineties, <laughs> one of my favorite. And I got to interview him way back. I don't mm. know. That must be, ah, maybe eight episodes in the eighties or nineties. If you go back to the archives, guys, but. Um, but he had a really dramatic conversion story. And so some people have that and that's okay. That's my point. So some people have it, some people don't. And you know, my wife and I have both said, sometimes I wish I had that dramatic story. Not really, man. It's the people who have it. uh, It was hard. You know, typically Mm -hmm. there's, there's a lot of stress with that. So it's okay wherever you are, which is my, what the thing I want people to hear. Exactly. Whatever your story with God is like, that's Okay. That's what it, that's your story and it has value. And that's why we do both dramatic and less dramatic. And because I think it's common to, to all of us. And so I want to affirm wherever you are friends um, and just accept and, and be joyful in that because it's, it matters. Okay. I could talk for a long time about that gel, but this is about your story. So I want to, <laughs> I want to hear about you. So uh, you, you, Interesting that you kind of, you know, you definitely were one of those askers of questions. I love that. So you're going on. Um, were there other any, any other moments that you look at and go, particularly in terms of, um, you know, you're just growth and kind of learning the ways of Jesus that you look at and go, this is, that's a time when a verse stood out or I read a book or you had a mentor or something like that, that really mm-hmm. kind of helped further you in learning what Jesus was all about? I remember in middle school, and then we can travel. um, In middle school, I remember the night that I heard a sermon uh, and um, the pastor was preaching on 1 1 Corinthians 13. And I wrote it in my diary. I didn't know that was in the Bible. And I, oh, Oh, wow. And that was a very pivotal point for me Hmm. um, as far as relevance of scripture. I still have the Bible that I had in high school. It was um, full of, oh, people in bell bottoms and, you know, pictures and photographs. And we just thought it was the coolest thing. It was the living Bible uh, in a special reach out edition. And uh, all of a sudden around that time in my life, it wasn't just a book for old people yeah. who were dying. You know, <laughs> that's kind of how I thought of it yeah. before. But then, then I had a youth leader who was also 
uh, a mentor because he was very, very deep and very, very funny. And I thought, oh, you can have a ton of fun and still mm. be a very, very devoted follower of Jesus. Yeah. Uh, just watching him, watching him. I, I will never forget him. I will never stop thanking him because uh, he was mm. he was such a such a model. Yeah, I that love that. Awesome. Okay, so that is really interesting because. That whole idea that you can have fun and follow Jesus is kind of a big part of who you are, right? It's a big part of your your oh, yeah. your message. So, really interesting. That so that goes way back, huh? It's fascinating. It does fascinating how that can go. Okay, so uh, I like to ask about, and, and maybe this is you mentioned earlier, struggling with infertility. Maybe there's something else, but I like to ask about the the dark night of the soul or going through the spiritual desert. Did you have a time when mm. you felt like God was not listening or far away? A time, yeah, right. <laughs> I've had well <laughs> several times. Oh, I, as I was asking, I'm, I'm, I was kind of wondering in the back of my mind, like, interesting. You already kind of had that time when you lost your dad, and you already were kind of having these questions for God. And so I was curious. I'm curious what your answer is based on you know, you, sure, you, you already sure. had a little bit of spiritual desert there, so. Well, and then there was there was the infertility, which mm -hmm. you know went on for quite a while. Well, and and I mentioned that we did have a daughter, and um, she graduated from college and um, got her own apartment and was um, dating a person in college who and and the story really is hers to tell. So I I don't feel real free to tell it in detail, but the bottom line was that 18 months after they got married, he left mm. and they had dated for five years and wow. they met at church and he was a believer. He said, um, so it, it was, it was horrible. And I remember, um, sitting on the couch with my husband thinking, what are we going to do? She's far away. She's five hours away. And she, she told us, no, no, um, you don't need to come down here. I, I, and I've got a job and I've got a support system. I'm okay. We talk to her every day, but that don't touch my baby. Right. You know? Right. Do anything, anything to me, but please do not touch her. Uh, that was, about as dark as it gets mm. um, for, or I got for me in adulthood. So I decided, again, I was, I was praying one day and I felt led after their divorce was final. Um, I felt God, like God was saying to me, I want you to start to pray for her future husband. Now this could be problematic. Because I didn't really know, you know, sure sounds like wishful thinking to me. Right. Um, and we all know that, you know, we've all prayed for things that we thought God's telling me this. And coincidentally, whoa, I want it too. <laughs> so, right. You know, it doesn't always happen that way. But I just kept feeling it and feeling it. So I thought, oh, what have I got to lose? Well, the other side of my brain said, you've got a lot to lose. If you tell her you're praying for her future husband and he doesn't show up, what's going to happen 
to her faith? What's going to happen to your faith? Do, do we just have to start all over again with all this? Why, 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 why? But I couldn't help myself. So I started this journal and I prayed for everything, everything about this young man for five years. Wow. And um, finally he came along and I wrapped that journal up when they were engaged. I wrapped it up and gave it to him um, for Christmas, I think it was. And I said, look, just so you can see what I've been praying for this, this whole time. And it was amazing. It was, it was an amazing bonding experience. And I said, would God have brought her this man if I hadn't prayed for him? I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. I could, prayer is a mystery. It is a mm. big old mystery. Uh, I don't know. And I don't believe that God is obligated to give us everything we pray for, obviously, no matter how mm. much. But here's what I do know without a doubt. And that is during the course of my praying for him, God de developed a heart for him in me. And, you know, once they were engaged, I, I said, I loved you before I knew you. Wow. And nobody can say that didn't happen. So it was what God did in me that was most significant, not because he gave us what we wanted. And, and the same thing happened um, a couple of years later, I got a phone call from, or I got a text from my daughter that it was late at night. And she said, are you up? That is never good news. <laughs> I, I don't know if you have any experience with that or not, but are you up? It's not good news. Um, I called her. She had just had a miscarriage. Mm. And um, I had started, uh, or I had bought a journal for my future grandchildren just hadn't felt led to start it yet. And I said, okay, the journal, I got brave and said, again, I don't know this wishful thinking. I don't know. Journal starts tonight. So I started to pray for everything about this child that was not conceived yet. And the same thing happened. She eventually did have a little boy. And I said, I knew him a couple of years later. I was at a music practice. Uh, she had told she was pregnant again. I was at a music practice and I had my phone up on, I play the keyboard and had my phone right up on the keyboard. It lights up and it's a text from her and it says, no longer pregnant, can't mm. talk now. So another miscarriage. Um, and I said, you know what? I had already bought a journal for another one. It starts tonight. She ended up having a baby. But again, it's not, I, I could have been wrong. Would God have given her those two children if I hadn't prayed? I don't know. But what I knew was I loved them before I knew them. That God came near and he brought redemption out of brokenness. Yeah. That's what I know. So those, those are some dark times because as many people know, 
you can mess with anybody, but don't mess with my kid. Just oh, right. right. Oh, worst. Oh, just what I hear though. What what I really deeply respect and love is that I hear you in some ways re- just wrestling with God, right? Like going through and saying, okay, I feel like I need to pray and I will do that. And you're being faithful to that, right? You're, you're committing to that. And God doesn't ask us to do a whole lot more than that, right? He does mm-hmm. the work. Right. You had no control over, you know, whether your daughter has a relationship or children at all. You were just there to be faithful and, um, you, but the way that you experienced his faithfulness through your faithfulness, that's kind of amazing. That's, that's, mm-hmm. that is just really precious. So thank you for sharing that. I, that's sure that, uh, really, I'm, I, you, I, you probably can't see it and friends, you can't see it, but I, I, I just am touched by that. It's really, really, um, really cool. That's the kind of stuff I want to hear. Like, I love that because I know that God loves and honors those things too. Friends, not just for Jill, not just for me, but for you. And so maybe your circumstances are different. Maybe you're, you know, wrestling with something or it feels dark or you're in the spiritual desert and it's dry. I get it. Um, But it's okay. Just be faithful to the thing that God has asked you to do. Whatever that is, something just popped in your mind. Do that. Follow the Holy Spirit. I don't think he'll let you down because he never, mm-hmm. ever does. Okay. All right, Jill. So thank you for that. So you, you like, uh, so you, you're wrestling with this, you know, there's the joy and the, and the sorrow, just like you said at the beginning, you're kind of going through all that. Um, what did you learn from those experiences and what did God often those, I'll tell you why I'm saying this. Often God uses those experiences to, shape us, right? To take something out of mm-hmm. us or to give us a different identity, a different place from which to, to, uh, minister or, or serve. What did that do for you? Can you see anything like that from, from those experiences? Mm. He showed me that even, even when you get a quote, happy ending, even if you get a quote, happy ending, that does not negate Mm -hmm. the hurt that became a permanent part of you along the way. It's always a part. I mean, I have two grandchildren in heaven. My daughter has two children in heaven. That is never far from our minds. Never. It doesn't negate that. Um, However, joy can you probably get tired of hearing me say this, but, but that joy has consistently walked alongside that. I don't feel like anymore that I have to be either a happy or a sad, Hmm. you know, that it's okay for it to be one big stew. You, you can, you can feel it all at once and it's okay to tap into the joy. And it's also okay to, just sit in your lament hmm. for a while. Yep. Sometimes so true. I don't have words. There are no words, you know, and it's, it's okay. It's all right. You can just sit in it for a while. Yeah. As long as you need to. Yeah. There's space for that as well. Isn't there? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love that. Okay. 
we're not too good in church sometimes about um, giving people space to lament. I heard somebody, how oh, it might have been, it was Rachel Held Evans who wrote in one of her books that um, where where are the songs for the uh, the lost job, the miscarriage, the you know all the horrible things? We we really don't like to sing about that too much. Where's the space? Where, why we're not real comfortable with silence or just sitting with lament. So I've come to appreciate lament mm, more. I love that. With joy. It's yeah. so powerful and it's not missing from scripture, right? <laughs> right. Oh, no. We just quote the happy parts. Right. <laughs> and I don't think it matters. Like you can read the Psalms. We can point to Lamentations, obviously, the prophets. I was pointing to Habakkuk earlier, but even in the in the new testament like you see jesus you know lament you see him you know weep over jerusalem and over you know over his friends death like we he it's just we go through it but uh, that's but god is there in it as well right this is the joy of exactly. jesus become human uh because he is he experiences and knows what it's like so that's that's really powerful wow okay so take me into take let's just fast forward just I'm sure a lot, but th those are really great stories to your, like now you're a podcaster and a writer and a mm -hmm. speaker. And how, how'd you get into that? Like what, what was it that made you go? I got to start doing these things. It's because I had so many questions. Yes. <laughs> uh, um, I've always been, or, or for as long as I can remember, I've always been driven to write so I, I wrote a book in 1989 about infertility, about coping with infertility. And then I always say I, I write a book about every 15 years. Then about 15 years later, I wrote one about having fun um, and told a lot of stories. So I've always been just driven to put words down on paper. Um, when, when the idea of podcasting came up, I just loved it because mm. okay, because I love speaking also, but you can reach so many more people um, in this venue. And so uh, I've loved it. So I, I had this idea about find joy, no matter what, because it was a theme that ran through my life. And as I said before, it's everybody's life. It is everybody's life. If you're five, it's your life. Yes. You know, everybody knows what it's like to want something you don't have everybody. Um, so I thought, I also love stories. I love to tell stories. I, I just think they speak to people because my stories um, aren't really unique to me. Most people can find themselves inside whatever I tell. So, and I also, I love talking into a microphone if we want to be honest about yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> I just love to talk. So this has been quite the adventure. Do you know when my podcast started? March of 2020. <laughs> Perfect timing. Yeah, that was not planned. None of it. But um, how handy, because I didn't have to be in anybody's presence to do it. So that is what has taken me to this point. So it's been going for um, two years. Yeah. And I have just loved it. I've loved it. Oh, that's it's like still being a teacher the classroom is just different, you know? Yeah. And I've, I've also told people that I, you know, I'm not a theologian and I'm not 
I don't have a seminary degree, uh, but what I can do and what I just feel like I've come home to myself mm. with this, with who I was created to be is a curator of joy shots, I you know? Yeah. So I'll go out and find them and then I'll share them with you. This can help you through if only, you know, I, I can't solve anybody's problems and I can't make bad go away, but I can share what might inject some joy into a rough time. And so that, that is what I was born to do. Oh, now. I love hearing that. See, I love hearing that. I love hearing how really all these things that you've been through feel like they've come to this culmination in your, in your podcast. I always tell people that podcasting is about personal growth as much as it is audience growth, right? There's oh, absolutely. so much that, that you learn. I've learned from you today and I'm blessed by that, right? Like that's fantastic. I love that. And it's never too late. I'm 68 right. years old. And so it, it is not ever too late to start a new thing. So we shouldn't resist if, you know, if you've got tugging at us, mm. um, just roll with it. Amen. You know? Hey, last year I helped Laura Paget <laughs> put, put out her show called living what you're given. And she launched it on her 70th birthday, right? You can do it. All I, right. I used to help, uh, nonagenarians. Is that right? For 90 people in their nineties oh, wow, navigate yeah. bill pay. I figure I can do anything, but you, you, <laughs> you guys, you, I, I commend you for doing it. And you're so right. You, the technology's never been easier and it is, uh, it is brilliant and beautiful. And what you're doing is so good. All right. I got to ask you one other question because it was just so intriguing and we, it didn't come up, but I want to, I want to just ask it. Uh, so one time I know that you rented a chimpanzee to come play at your house for a couple hours. Why, why did you do that? Why, why? <laughs> That's the, the question people most frequently ask me. <laughs> Just, why, <laughs> what were you thinking? Years ago, my mom and I were at the Virginia State Fair together and we passed by this booth where you could get your picture taken with a chimpanzee for five measly bucks. And I begged my mom and she was much more reserved than me. Uh, but I begged her, please, mom, can't we get our picture taken with the chimp, please, please. And she kept saying no. And keep in mind, I was about 35 years old at the time. I was not a child. <laughs> she was 70. Um, but um, I said, why not? And she thought for a minute, she said, well, somebody might look at it 50 years from now and think it's a three generation photo. It's <laughs> not trying to be funny. So she said that. So we didn't get it done. And I, I just mourned that. Well, 20 years later, we had a big event and all my family was coming to Virginia from Indiana. I was lying in bed one night trying to think of how I could amuse these people for a couple of days. And all of a sudden, I'm calling it God gave me the idea. Why don't you see if you can find a chimpanzee and redeem that lost moment with your mom. And I thought, this is great. So I did some networking. I found a man in our county who had a zoo and a chimp lived in his house. So I called him up and I said, please don't think I'm crazy, but here's what I'm going for. And he said, oh, that's great. He said, but it's December. You don't want your mom to out here in the cold. Why don't I bring the chimp to your house? Which made me just so happy. <laughs> so all my family was there. I got a photographer 
And um, she thought we were just going to take some family pictures. When I saw the handler come up the walk with the chimp, I said, mom, put on some lipstick. I got a surprise for you. And so he came in. I said, remember that moment at the state fair? And yes, she did. She was all over it this time. So we had 90 minutes and about 300 pictures. It was the most fun ever. That chimp, we would lie down on the floor. She would roll all over us. She would take grapes from our mouths. She would jump up and down. Well, toward the end of that 90 minutes, you know, the whole family sat down for a family portrait and um, we put the chimp in front of us, like one of the children. Yeah, that's awesome. (laughs) It's one of those pictures where you look at it years from now and think, I know everybody, but you know, who's that, you know, in the front row. Um, But then the, the most glorious moment was when my mom and I sat down with the chimpanzee. I had her picture taken by herself with the chimp too. I have that picture on my dresser today to remind me that number one, that was, that was an epic family moment. Um, But number two, that there are just so many joyful moments waiting in the day. And I, I don't want to miss them, you know, and fast forward, if I can PS that story, my mom in 2017, she, Um, passed away when she was 99 years old. And my brother and I were sitting with the funeral director and they said, they have a little bulletin that they put out. And the funeral director said, we need a photo for the bulletin. And my brother looked at me and said, (laughs) I have an idea, but it might be inappropriate. (laughs) And I said, oh my gosh, our names are inappropriate. Let's go for it. So we put that picture of my mom and the chimpanzee (laughs) and got to tell that story over and over and over again and told it during her service. And you talk about joy and sorrow in the same place. That's exactly what it was. So Wow, that is perfect. Uh, Jill, thank you so much for sharing your story. I am just so encouraged by it. Friends, uh, Jill's website is jillbaughan.com, B-A-U-G-H-A-N. You can find her there. The podcast is Finding Joy, or Find Joy, no matter what. You're in the app. Just flip over. Do a little search. Search for Find Joy no matter what and start listening. I know you're going to be encouraged 100%. Jill, thanks for being here. Is there anything you want to leave us with? Um, you know, I, I, I've hammered it home, I think, just enough. But um, it happens in the moments, you know, so many moments that God gives us that um, we're either too busy or too distracted or too sad. Um but uh, so many moments in this day to experience joy, no matter what you're going through. So go look and as, as I end every podcast, um, if you're looking for joy, you'll most likely find it. There you go. It's that spotlight effect. Thanks so much, Jill. I appreciate you being here. Thank you so much. I had such fun. 